0: Praise God, we've been in a series on when you come together, according to the book of Corinthians, as the church, we're supposed to do something when we get together here. And we're on, a, on the teaching now that when we come together, there should be a revelation. There should be a spiritual release that takes place of God communicating, Jesus communicating to his bride. Our theme verse is this, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Or a psalm, in the Greek it's psalm, and, uh, or a song. So we've worshipped the Lord, we come together to worship and to praise Him. And He is active in that praise. Then we come together, we should have a lesson, a teaching, an instruction. A word that we can chew on, eat on throughout the week and grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing the word. And then last week we looked at, okay, two weeks ago we looked at when you come together because we took communion, we looked at the sacraments. The, the entrance of the kingdom is through baptism, uh, that sacred rite that publicly declares you're saved. And then the maintenance of our salvation through continuing to keep the covenant of the bread and wine, remembering the grace of God in our lives so we could give it to others. And this morning we come to this point in the verse, when you come together, have a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Could you say that last phrase for me? Let all things be done for building up. You know how many of you know there's an enemy that wants to tear down, and we need everything we can get to build up. So when we come together, there should be a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation, some kind of spiritual impartation that God wants to speak to his people. It's sad to me that churches have become simply schools or studies of the word without the spiritual power to it. Some have become concerts of music and praise. Of course, we're supposed to have praise. Of course, we're supposed to have the word, but all of it should be invigorated by the presence of God's Holy Spirit that revelation comes through our singing and inspiration comes through the word. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We want to take ourselves to 1 Corinthians 14. I am literally taking you verse by verse because this chapter is so maligned, so misunderstood, and so confusing for so many people. I'm going to take you through it, get your pen and pencil out, get your Bible out, and let's walk through this as we go. And uh, what I want you to begin to see that the best way to understand 1 Corinthians 14 is that there is a distinction between the prayer language of praying in tongues, prophecy, and the gift of tongues with interpretation. So let's walk through it and I'll demonstrate that for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire Spiritual gifts. What does he say we're supposed to do with spiritual gifts? Earnestly desire them. That's not an attitude of if he wants me to have it, he'll give it. That's an attitude of earnest desire, meaning lusting, meaning craving, meaning having to have this. I have got to have spiritual gifts. Now, that is packed within each believer. The Holy Spirit lives within us. His charis or his graces want to flow out of us, but it's based on your desire. How much do you crave greater demonstrations of God's grace? All right? And so that's available, and we need to earnestly seek it, especially that you may prophesy. So he puts this above everything else, right at the top. And we're going to understand why. For he says, One who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. No one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. So right there he's separating prophecy from tongues because he's saying when you're praying in tongues, and that's an old English word, tongues, meaning languages. And we're talking about the Spirit language. We're not talking about the language that a human being operates through his cognitive reasoning through his vocal cords, we're talking about the Spirit's language coming from your spirit man. When you were saved and born again, the Spirit of God dwelt in you and your spirit came alive. You have a spirit man in you. And that spirit man wants to talk and pray. And when you pray, see, now if he was going to say tongues was going to disappear or it was of no effect... He could have said that there, but he qualifies tongues and says that one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to people. Your spirit is speaking to whom? God. Uttering mysteries. Mysteries in the New Testament are revelations yet to be revealed. Things that need to be revealed. How many of you need to have information yet revealed for you? How many of you have mysteries about yourself you can't even figure out? Oh, God can. Your wife can't figure you out for nothing. That's why she's been praying in tongues to figure out the mystery of you. That was a joke. Okay. Um, so we're supposed to pray. You sp- when you, so he, he qualifies speaking in tongues as a vital language, speaking to God, but people don't understand, and utters mysteries in the Spirit. This is not the tongues from Acts 2 that was poured out that they were speaking into the streets because everybody understood those languages. That was a miracle by which the people, filled with the Spirit, ran out into the streets, began to speak in the tongues of all the known regions, and people heard and understood. Paul's talking about a different tongue. He says, people don't understand this. You're uttering mysteries to God. It's a prayer language to God. Do you got it? On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up encouragement and consolation or edification, exhortation, and comfort. So prophecy is... For building up the church, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds what up? The church, or the assembly, the people. So if I stood here and spoke in tongues, none of you would get it. Look at him, oh boy. But if I would prophesy in the language we know, everyone here would profit from that and there would be value in it. Amen? This is simple, and it is prophecy is given. It's what Paul wants most in the assembly. Our whole focus of 1 Corinthians 14 is when you come together, when you gather. All right? The goal here is to edify the body, exhort the body, and comfort the body. And prophecy does that clearly to everyone who's in the room. All right. So the one who speaks in tongues does what? Builds himself up. And, and that's not a bad thing. Jude says, build up your most holy faith through praying in the Spirit. We need to be built up. I need to be comforted. I need to be encouraged. And in my prayer time and prayer language, I need that gifting of the Holy Spirit to pray in mysteries unto God that He would reveal to me how to walk in life and how to move forward. But that doesn't benefit all of you. All right, simple enough. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Does Paul see value in this? We're going to have a little bit of back and forth here, okay? So you can respond when I ask you a question. Don't worry if you get it wrong. It's really simple. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. What do you think that means? He wants us all to speak in tongues, and it's available to all because it is praying in the language of the Holy Spirit within you. It's not sourced out of your brain and your thinking, it's sourced out of the Spirit man of God. And he said, I want you all to pray in tongues, but even more to prophesy. All right? So if he wants everyone to speak in tongues, he would also then, because he says even more, he would want everyone to prophesy. Did you know that you can learn to prophesy? You're not making it up, but you're tapping in to the Spirit of God within you. It seems like the church has forgotten that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Especially Pentecostals, they want the Holy Spirit. They keep inviting him to come show up. He's here. He's here. He's here. Jesus, do something. He's here. Okay? You don't have to wait for some kind of liver shiver to, ooh, uh, two fast ones, one slow song, and now, now I can feel the Holy Spirit. He descended like that dove on Jesus. Now he's on me. He was in you the whole time. You don't have to feel anything. When you get to a place of maturity in the Spirit, use The prophetic, use your prayer language and pray out of the Holy Spirit. Get used to it, and you're going to need it more and more. Now, even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. I think he's emphasizing that prophecy in the assembly is better than praying in the Spirit. In the assembly. But he still wants everyone to pray in the Spirit. It still has value, but not in the assembly. For the whole. So prophesying is greater than speaking in tongues unless, boom, unless what? Someone interprets. So now, tongues with an interpretation is equal to prophecy. Why? Because there's an interpretation to the tongues so that everybody can understand and benefit from it. All right? And we'll go on a little further to see that if you're praying in tongues and it is not the gift of tongues for an interpretation, you're to keep silent. The gift of tongues is to be spoken out so that there is an interpretation so that everyone benefits. And now prophecy and tongues and interpretation value the church to hear from God I don't know about you but I look forward to hearing a revelation a prophecy a tongues or an interpretation when I come to church I want to hear God God's interacting with his people and it's rare nowadays that you can find a Pentecostal church that will allow prophecy in tongues and interpretation you can't find them Many of you, God's called on, and many folks back home, I've heard it over and over, they go out, they're trying to find a new church, they moved out of the neighborhood, so now they're looking for churches, and they call me, they say, Pastor, nobody's operating in the gifts. Nobody uses them. He said, when you come together, sure, have a teaching, sure, have a song, but there should be some revelation. I want inspiration from heaven on Sunday and Wednesdays, or whenever we gather, Amen? Now, the one main reason that is not allowed is because it's messy. Somebody may say something that's just completely out of order. So what? Deal with it. I'd rather risk that and to hear from God and have inspiration to know I met with the living Christ than to have just us operating out of us. Let's go forward. Amen? And what's the reason? The one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be built up. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now let's go on to the second portion here. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So for me to stand up here and pray in tongues isn't going to benefit any of you. It'll build me up, doesn't help you a bit. If lifeless instruments such as a flute or a harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? Illustration. Give me, where's my sound mat? Everybody sing with me. Come on, sing. That doesn't work. You need to have a distinction of sounds. First of all, we need to know what key we're in. Then we need to know the melody so that we can then find the harmony. Right? There needs to be a distinction, and that's what he's trying to say. When you guys get together, man, it's a train wreck. So when you come together, there should be a distinct sound. And if a bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? Bugles were used on the battlefield to sound an advance or sound a retreat or sound a stop or sound to the right or to the left. There were distinct orders that were to be given. If we're not listening to heaven, how are we going to know where to move and how to walk? And so just praying in the Spirit isn't going to benefit anybody uh, for the whole. So you, so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible. Now, what is he talking about? Praying in tongues. It's not intelligible. This is the difference between the tongues of Acts chapter 2, when they could understand it, and praying in the Spirit. See, a lot of people say, people don't speak in tongues anymore because I don't understand the language It has to be a known language. It doesn't. It's unintelligible. It's not understood or discerned. It's the tongue of heaven, the tongue of angels. It's the tongue out of your spirit, man. All right? And what he's saying is when you're praying in a tongue, nobody understands that. It's unintelligible. How will anyone know what is being said? For you'll be speaking into the air instead of into the ears. All right? Now those who are cessationists, those who say the gifts are over, they use this verse and say, see, it's just a bunch of babbling, just speaking out into the air. He's not saying that it's worthless. He says you're praying to God mysteries that are to be uh, understood and you're building yourself up, but it's being spoken into the air, but nobody is hearing it in the ear or discerning it. Does that make sense to you? All right, therefore are doubtless many different languages in the world, none without meaning. But if I don't know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. He's saying tongues is a language. There's many different kinds of languages, but we don't know it. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So what builds up the church? Praying in your own individual prayer language or prophesying or tongues with an interpretation? Prophecy and tongues with interpretation. All right? This is kind of simple, isn't it? Is it? Okay, thank you. Listen, I just came back from Africa. All I got to do is end a sentence and it goes nuts over there. I get hallelujahs, amens, and... And so forth. So, all right, all right. Thank you. You're edifying me and encouraging me. Because sometimes I think I'm speaking in tongues and none of y'all are hearing it. Third section. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. All right? So we need to have an interpretation. If you're going to pray out in a tongue over the congregation, there should be an interpretation so that everything benefits. He doesn't say just stop the tongues completely. No, there is a gift of tongues that has value. Now we go back to chapter 12 and he says, do all prophesy? Do all speak in tongues? And the answer to that is no, because he's talking about the gifts. But he said, I want you all to pray in tongues. So the prayer language is available to all of us. But you may not have the gift of tongues that speaks out over the congregation and there is an interpretation. All right. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. All right. Now, if I pray in a tongue... What did he say praise? Qualifies it, what spirit? My spirit. That's right. You got it right. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit, does he? Who prays when we pray in tongues? My spirit. Now that's the Holy Spirit in us but it is coming from my spirit man. You're not going to get a tongues from heaven. You're getting it from the spirit that's within you and you, that spirit is subject to you. You can stop it. You can quench it. You can be used. You cannot be used. You can interrupt it. It's your spirit man praying. Again, I don't have to wait for God to do something. His spirit lives in me. When I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is what? I'm fruitful. Even I don't understand what I'm saying. I can be thinking about lunch. But I'm praying in the Spirit because who's praying? The Spirit. We're made up of three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Spirit. And my spirit can pray. See, this is why so many people get frustrated in wanting to pray in tongues. They're waiting for God to make you pray in tongues. It, it has to come through your spirit, through you, and you yielding to have the spirit pray out of your spirit. Your mind, some of you are waiting for the words to form in your mind. Guess what? They're not there. You're waiting for your mind. Your mind has always been the one who controlled your mouth, supposedly. You know, all your life you've governed your mouth by what you think. Don't say that. Don't say that. Try to say that. Oh, I'm sorry I even said that. Your mind. Now the spirit wants to utilize your vocal box and your mind's going, I don't think so. And I'm listening to what's being said and it doesn't make sense to me. So if you're, that, that's what shuts down tongues in the prayer language so often because your cognitive reasoning says, that sounds silly. What you need to do is teach your cognitive reasoning the Bible and say, my spirit is praying mysteries to God. Pay attention and let it do that Amen. and receive what God can bring illumination to your mind because your spirit's praying. All right? So, my mind is unfruitful. It's it's not understanding. What am I to do? Good question. Great question for the church of the 21st century. The cessationists would say, Stop all the babbling. Stop all that nonsense. Others would say, Speak in tongues all the time and anywhere else. And the people at the store are going to think you're nuts. What shall I do? He says this. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my what? Mind. You have an option. You have an option to pray. Now he's telling us that this is a prayer language. It's good for your personal edification and you're praying mysteries to God. And so what are you going to do? I'm going to use both of them. How about you? I'm going to pray in the Spirit, but I'm also going to pray with my reasoning and my intelligence. I can do both. You can do both. Then he goes on and he says, Why, in fact, I will sing with my Spirit, praise with my Spirit, and I'll sing with my mind also. And so you have an option in the service that while we're worshiping, go ahead, you want to pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, but not over the volume of anybody else, equal to the praise that's going on around us. You want to praise with your mind, your intelligence, say hallelujah, praise God. See, what happens when you get into a place of worshiping Jesus, you run out of your English language trying to describe his majesty, his glory, his power. That's why many times people laugh at us Christians because we're just like worshiping God. We go, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Praise God, hallelujah, praise God. Oh, Jesus, praise God. Because I don't have enough verbiage to match what I feel and hear in my love and appreciation for him. And that's the time that my spirit man rises up and I just have to praise in tongues in a language that the spirit is giving glory to God. I'm not going to apologize for this one bit. It's part of the functioning of the Christian. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, thanks with what? Your spirit. How can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're really saying? Again, Paul's qualifying the validity of praying in tongues because he says you're giving thanks to God in the Spirit. So it is a genuine work of uttering mysteries but also giving thanksgiving. But if you're in the church assembly and you're praising in the Spirit of God or if you're leading or talking in tongues, how can anybody say amen in agreement? They don't know what you're saying. So if you're going to say something in the assembly that you want unity in, say it in the language of the people so that they can all say, Amen. Good. For you may be giving thanks well enough. So if I'm praying in the Spirit, am I giving thanks to God? Yeah. If I'm praying in the Spirit, am I speaking mysteries to God? Yeah. Does Paul want us all to pray in the Spirit? Yes. But in the assembly he wants us more to prophesy or to have an interpretation to those tongues. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being, what? Built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So does Paul value tongues? Yeah, he values this prayer language. Now, now, What do you think he means? I pray in tongues more than all of you. Does he mean that there's not an individual out there that prays more tongues than I do? Could mean that. Or it could mean, I pray in tongues more than all of you collectively put together. I think the man prayed in tongues. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the assembly, in the assembly, Church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. See? Tongues are of no value. No, that's not what that says. Of course there's value. It edifies you individually, but in the assembly, that's what he's trying to put in order To In the assemblies, we're to understand each other. All right? Are you getting this? Yeah. All right? Good, I'm so happy. Now, next section. Brothers, do not, let, uh, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it's written, by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners, will I speak to this people, and even then will they not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus... Tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, they're there, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? Okay, so what is he trying to say? Tongues is for unbelievers... And prophecy is for the believers. Why? Well, because prophecy is a clear declaration that we all understand and we're edified, exhorted, and comforted by a prophetic word. If there's tongues without an interpretation, it has no value to us. But if there's tongues and an interpretation, it's the miraculous element of that that is for an unbeliever. This Speaking in tongues, unbelievers don't get; they don't understand it unless there's an interpretation. And then the miraculous aspect of that, and I've seen many people uh, being overwhelmed by the fact that there's a an in- tongue and interpretation. They're going like, "That's freaky! How did that happen?" And so it draws the unbeliever. But he says this: if you're all speaking in tongues and there's nothing clear to understand, he, he says they're going to think you're out of your mind. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all and he is called to an account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. That revelation, that power of God spoke and it completely convicted them and they said, God's in this house. That again is why, when we assemble, we want a revelation. We want tongues interpretation. We want prophecy. We want a move of God's Spirit, and I'll never negate that. Amen? Amen. You guys know Ray Bucciarelli is a friend of ours, a pastor downriver, and his team was coming. Uh, they were in Colombia, and the pastor asked if, while they were going back to the airport, if they could take his daughter. She was flying back to college. And he said, please pray for her. She's backslidden. She's totally accepted the things of the world. And so she got on the, in the van with the rest of that team as they were heading back to the United States. And as they're driving to the airport, she's sitting there. And uh, they're driving down to the airport, and they're just worshiping. They're just singing some songs, praising God for an amazing time they had together. And one girl just starts out singing in tongues and worshiping and praying in tongues. When they arrive at the airport, they get out, and as they're getting out, the one young lady, the pastor's daughter, won't get out of the van, and she's just weeping. And they said, what did you say to her? What did you do? I didn't do it. I didn't. And she, she told them, she said that girl was speaking to me in my language, and she was telling and calling out every sin that I had been committing and that the Lord wanted me back. No one in that van knew that, but to the backslidden one, God was using tongues to bring her back to the Lord, and she cried out to God and rededicated her life back to the Lord. Amen? Amen? I don't know how many times we've had people in this assembly that they are moved by the Spirit of God and those who don't even know the Lord uh, are overwhelmed at at the freedom and the prophecies and the words. And how come that guy in the back said that? And many times they ask if we scripted it. That guy said something and you preached about it. You guys sang a song and then you preached about it and someone had a word over here and he said, how did you time that out? No, 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 no. That's another reason we don't script our services. That's another reason we don't, we don't say, okay, we're going to do a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus. We'll go to the bridge and then that's the end of the song. We don't know where we're going because we stay open to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And that's what God wants to do is interrupt the flow of things so that he can have a voice into our lives. Let's continue on to the next portion. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and in each in turn, and let someone interpret. All right? That's the qualification for tongues and and interpretation. Interpretation. How many tongues and interpretations should there be in the meeting? Two or three. three. At the most, three. That's the cutoff line. And in turn, or in order, if someone speaks out in the gift of tongues over everybody else in volume, it should be spoken and you should wait until you receive the interpretation. Then there could be another. There could be a prophecy. There could be a word of knowledge. Then there could be another tongue. But we wait till there is what? An interpretation. There shouldn't be more than three tongues that are spoken and then an interpretation. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Aha! See? shouldn't be any tongues in the church. No, he's saying if that's not the gift of tongues for interpretation, you should not have spoken your tongues out above everybody else. Well, how will I know? You'll you'll feel it, you'll sense it, you'll learn that it is the gift to be spoken out. You'll have an, uh, uh, an, an unction by God to speak it out. You can't hold it back anymore. And then there's interpretation. Maybe there is no interpretation, and he said earlier, then you pray For the interpretation. But if it's a tongue that's not to be interpreted, you shouldn't be speaking it out above the congregation. You keep silent, and that Greek word for silent is lower in volume, because then he says, speak to God. And when he says speak, he means out of your mouth, because you're to still pray to God in tongues. Okay, But not above everyone else. Does this make sense to you? You following me? All right. Let's go on. No one interpret. You should keep silent or keep quieter in the church and speak to yourself and to God. Now let's cover prophecy. All right? So that's just your prayer language. Keep to yourself if it's not for interpretation. Now prophecy. Let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh what is said. Alright, so there can be a prophecy. There can be three prophecies. We're to consider what is being said. We're to take that in. He says if there's a revelation, hey, that should take front and stage and another should sit down and let the first person be silent. So let's hear a revelation if one's coming. But he then says this in verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Many people put that three limitation on prophecies and it's not there. He doesn't say at the most like he did with tongues and interpretation. He says, let there be two or three prophesies and you consider what's being said. But you can all prophesy what? (laughs) One by one, we'll be here till six o'clock tonight. So there's no limitation on prophecies. And I get (coughs) chastised from time to time from people and say, Pastor, you let too many prophecies go on. There's no limitation to the prophecies. There is a limitation to the tongues and interpretation, but not to the prophecies because the prophecies are in our language for us to be edified, built up, and comforted. But, as your pastor, I don't want the prophecies to take us down so many different bunny holes that we're not understanding what's taking place. Sometimes I'll cut them off purposely so that we can consider what has been said and what God is saying to the church. Now hang with me this morning because I'm instructing you, in the Pentecostal service when we gather together. We may go a little long, but we need to be educated in this. And so I speak to you, those of you that do prophesy in the church. Prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort the people for a word of God to that assembly. Some of you prophesy based on what you read in an article earlier in the week. Some of you prophesy according to the YouTube you saw last Tuesday about Israel and the war that's going on. You know, that's all good and fine. Some of you prophesy a word of Scripture that's been on your heart for a week. Beautiful. But, what is God saying right now to this assembly in this room? And if you don't have a prophecy for that, Keep it to yourself and make room for someone who does. All right? Does that make sense? Now, other people complain and say, your prophecies aren't deep enough. Oh, my children, I love you, come to me. I'd like something a little more detailed. Like tomorrow at 3.30, you're going to have something move upon. You know what? What are prophecies supposed to do? Edify, exhort, and comfort. Could you imagine your, your uh, husband telling the wife or the wife telling the husband, I think it would go that way. You never tell me you love me. Well, that's so shallow. You know I loved you. I told you when we got married. But I did tell you that I appreciated the casserole last night and, uh, you know... So don't complain if it's too shallow. If Jesus says he loves us, you know how many people need to hear that they are loved by the Lord Jesus Christ? All right? And then if you're prophesying, listen and weigh what has already been prophesied. Sometimes we have... Uh, We've been, you know, half hour in worship and praise into the deep throne room of God. And a prophecy comes forward. I want you to come enter in and worship. Weren't we just doing that for the past half hour? Listen! Pay attention. Not everything that bubbles up in you is to be given for the assembly. And as your pastor, I'm asking you to take consideration that we want a word specific to the here and now, not based on your favorite thing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And many times I can tell from the person what they're they're evangelists, so their prophecy is going to be about evangelizing. Or they're, you know, end times people, so their prophecy is going to be about the end times. And again, nothing wrong with that, but can we go a little bit deeper into what is Jesus saying right now in the room to this group of people? That's what we're looking for. Because the spirit, Spirit of the prophet, again, whose spirit is it? It's the prophet's spirit. My spirit is praying, connected to the Holy Ghost. I, I move and act. It's subject to me. Now, there have been times someone wants to prophesy, and i will say, hold that, because something's happening over here. Hold it! I'm going to lose it! I won't remember! Well then, that's not inspired by the Spirit. All right, you'll remember the spirit of the prophet is what subject to the prophet. So watch and listen to the order. That's why so many charismatics are out of order. Everybody's just blah, ooh, ee, ooh, bomb, boom 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 boom. Do it in order. Do it with maturity. No more than three tongues and interpretations, but you can prophesy, but after two or three, wait upon it. Soak it in, listen. Pay attention, you can all prophesy and continue on. All right, let's keep going forward. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Amen? Amen. Last of all, last section, many people feel it's really odd you could skip this and stay in step with Paul's argument on this issue of women in the church some feel it was added Um, what's the point of it well the problem is there's chaos in the Corinthian church and for the first time in a Gentile and Jewish church you've got women joining the men in the Old Testament women were not part of the men and so now women are part of the assembly and they're coming together, and now there's more conversation, talk, and language than ever before. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. Now again, that word silent, if you'll look up the Greek, doesn't mean shut up. It means that they're not to be speaking above what is already at the level of praise. All right, that's important. But should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. It's shameful for a woman to speak in church. And what that means is to speak out in church. Because if if they're not allowed to speak in church, it's a complete contradiction to 1 Corinthians 11 when Paul says, when women prophesy, they should cover their heads. If women can prophesy in the church... And here they can't speak in the church. We've got a contradiction. So you have to look at the original language. And what Paul's saying is women shouldn't be shouting above everybody else. Hey Joseph, what did he mean by that? I don't understand what's going on. I don't know, is that Jewish? Maybe I should do... Sorry, no offense. But... You know, there, there, there's, there, they've never heard some of these things in the teachings of Gentiles, pagans coming into the church. They said, if you have questions, ask them at home. This isn't a discussion time. Does that make sense to you? Amen. All right. It's that simple. Let's conclude then. Was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones that it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. In other words, uh, behave as the way I've just instructed you. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues All things should be done decently and in order. If we follow these basic rules, we can have a robust Pentecostal experience where we're hearing from God. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Tongues can be given. Above everyone else, if there's an interpretation. If not, keep it at the same volume. Prophecy reveals the heart of God to the congregation. It's prompted by the Spirit. The prophet needs to listen to what's being said and judge. Scripture rules everything. Because any prophecy given must come under the authority of Scripture. There is no new revelation, no prophecy. And please, would you just turn off your prophets on YouTube, and turn off your prophets. Some of you that are watching, these goofy people who prophesy about seeing Santa Claus in heaven and, and prophesy about... Of course, St. Nick is there, I'm sure. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, it gets goofy. And, and be careful what you're listening to. If it's extra biblical and it's not in the Word, put it away. Keep it in the Word and under that... in the purpose of God. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for your patience this morning, but I want to be able to move in the Spirit of God. How about you?